Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, now as we turn our attention to God's Word, we are beginning a new series today, and we're going to be exploring um, a a concept that's going to be really helpful as we're stepping into this next chapter, what God is doing in our church family, where He might be leading us over these next couple of years. Um, So we felt like this would be a great series for us to tackle. So before I tell you what the series is, I want to ask you this question. What is our purpose? What's our our purpose as Christians? What's our purpose as a church? Like, when when you think about this, like, why are we here? Like, why do we do what we do? Like, what's our purpose? I kind of remember asking myself this question just in that, like, metaphysical kind of way of life. Like, why am I here? Why do I exist? I remember doing that, like, at age 9 or 10. I don't know. Maybe I was a weird kid. But uh, did you do that? Like, yeah, okay, good. I got at least one other person. (laughs) So, like, this question of, like, why am I here? What am I doing? What's my purpose? I want to surface that question for us as a church. Yes, us as individuals, Christians, as we're walking our individual faith walks. But what about a church? Like, why why do we exist? Why do we gather? Why do we do what we do? What's our purpose? Well, there is actually a, a, a clear answer. We're to be on mission. We have a mission. As a church, as individuals, we are called to a mission. We're to be on this mission. And that is actually what we want this series to be all about. We're going to dive into this series called Mission, where we're going to answer a few of these questions. We're going to answer, like, what is the mission that we're to be on? What's Jesus telling us to do? What's he calling us to do? And so once we define that, like, okay, well, how does it happen? Or or what's the way forward? or, Or what takes place to be on this mission? And then who's doing it? Is it some people? Is it a select kind of person? Or, or is it everyone? Like, who, who is on this mission? And then finally, where is this mission happening? Like, what's the location? Where, where is it taking place? Like, this is what we want to tackle in this series. We want to explore this idea of mission. So today, I want to ask the question and answer, what is the mission? Like, what is it that we're actually going after? What is the mission that Jesus is calling us to? And so we're going to look at a a passage of Scripture that is going to answer that very directly. But I'm curious, especially if you've grown up in church, have you heard this before, this language of mission or missions? Do you immediately start to fill in the gaps of like, okay, I know what this is going to be about. I know what to expect today, and, and, and here it's going to play out a certain way. Maybe you've got that experience. I hope that today we're going to challenge a little bit of that. We're going to explore what this mission is, but also what it's not. And maybe it's going to shift our thinking, shift our paradigm just a little bit about what this mission actually is. So what I want to do is I want to say, what is the mission not first? So I want to highlight four things that, that I think maybe predominantly, you know, permeate our thinking when we think about this as a church, as a, you know, Christian culture, like this whole mission idea. I think there are four things that we often think of when we think about mission that aren't quite 
the mission. So, number one, here's the, here's the first thing I want to suggest. It's simply making converts. It's simply making converts. Like, that is actually not quite the mission. Now, you might be saying, like, well, hang on a minute. Like, aren't we supposed to get people to become Christians, start following Jesus, like that whole thing? Yes, but it doesn't stop there. The goal is not simply to have someone check a box that says, I made a decision for Jesus. The goal is not simply to get someone to pray a prayer. The goal is not simply for us just to say, like, okay, I can call myself a Christian. It's not simply making converts. I don't know if you've maybe heard, like, this is, like, the mission or or missions. Like, we need to get people to make decisions. It's a part of it, certainly, but it's not all of it. The mission is more. So that's number one, simply making converts. Number two, it is not only getting people to church. It's not only getting people to come into this building. Maybe you've heard, like, okay, what your job is to do is to invite somebody. Yes, Invite people, but the goal is not to have them sit in this chair. We don't simply want to get people into the building. It's like, okay, we've done our job now. Maybe that is your role with one person or you know, a particular member of your family or, or neighbor or something. Like That is what your job is, yeah, but the mission doesn't stop there. It's not simply getting people into our building. The mission is more than that. So that's number two. It's not only getting people into church. Number three, it's not merely giving money to those who are doing the mission, right? So it's not just like, oh, okay, there are people who they're doing the mission. Like they're out there. They're the ones who are carrying the load. Like, cool. And I just, I help them. Here, I'll give you a little money. Again, really important to do. Really essential, but not all of the mission. The goal is not simply just to get a dollar amount on a bottom line. It's like, okay, we funded somebody to do their thing, and I'm helping them. Like, this mission is not a sidelines mission. It's not something we just sit on the sidelines and it's like, okay, it's, I'm, I'm over here, and, and everybody else, they're playing the game. So it's not simply or merely giving money to those who are doing the mission. That's number three. And then number four It's not solely getting people to behave in a Christian kind of way. It's not doing churchy things like, okay, come to Bible study. Now you're a Christian. You're doing the right thing. It's not like it was, you know, 50 years ago. Everybody kind of went to church. Like that was just, you know, the assumption of culture of the day. And now it's not like that. It's like, oh, we got to get back to that. No, actually. It's not simply getting people to do the things on the outside the way that we're supposed to. And Jesus actually had some kind of harsh words if we're just focused on the outside, right? So it's not simply getting people to behave in a Christian kind of way. It's not simply just checking off the boxes like, okay, we've got the Christian values operating around us. Let me just be clear. These are all good things. These are all good things, and we should do them. But the mission itself is more. See, if we focus on one or even all four of these things, they're good things to go after, but they're not the bullseye. They're not the target. Like, if we're shooting for these, then we're missing the mark. We're not simply just to go after checkboxes, get some money in the bank, get people in these seats, or just to act a certain way. Like, that 
That's not what the mission is. The mission is more than that. So again, these are good things. We value them. We want to go after them. They, they have their place. And we may intentionally like, pursue each one of these things in their own right. But the mission itself is more. What is the mission? If these are the things that it's not quite, they don't quite measure up, what is the mission? It's this. The mission is making disciples. The mission is making disciples. Where does that come from? If you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to see. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking at verses 18 to 20. And this is where Jesus explicitly tells us this is what the mission is all about. So Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, chapter 28, be looking at verses 18 to 20. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen. You can follow along there. All right, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said... So Jesus, he's, he's been resurrected, and the disciples, he's like, I want you to go somewhere. I'm going to meet you there. And so it says he comes to them. And this is what he says. All authority in, on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here, Jesus, he's offering. Here's the mission. Spell it out, simple terms, right here. Now, little context, we're going to walk back through this passage and highlight a few key elements. But but you'll notice, like, Jesus, he's coming to his disciples. It's like, all right, I've got something really important to tell you. Now, Again, Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. He's shown himself to them a few times. Like he's spent some time, several days, a few weeks with them. And now he's about ready to leave. He's going to ascend. He's going to leave the earth. And he's like, okay, let me tell you the last thing that I need to tell you. And you kind of imagine like, okay, last words are probably really important. What is he going to say? And here it is. So back in verse 18, he tells them like, come gather I want you to hear what I have to tell you. And here are the first words that he says out of his mouth. All authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. He's the king. He's the one who rules. He's the one who calls the shots. All authority has been given to him and that's been validated by his death and his resurrection. He's like, I've died. I've conquered death. Now I have power. All authority has been given to me. I get to dictate. I get to say, this is what goes. I'm calling the shots because I sit on the throne. All authority has been given to me. And if that's true, Jesus, he has all the authority. What does he do with it? He gives it away. He says, all authority has been given to me. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Here, here is what you're to do. And so verse 19, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. See, he says here, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it to you. Here's what I want you to do with it. 
Now, I want to camp on this for just a couple minutes. Because what's happening here is, is maybe as you read it in your Bible, in the English Bible, you're kind of getting a sense of like, okay, this is what it's telling me to do. But I want to highlight something. There's actually four elements right here. You can see those highlighted in green. Go, make disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Actually, one of them stands out from the others. In the original Greek, this phrase, make disciples, is the only imperative in this series. So bring back your, your language, your Eng- language arts or English class or whatever, like imperative, command, like do this, you know, like that exclamation point kind of thing. Like this is a command. So I'm telling you to do something. The only command in here is make disciples. The rest of them are participles. You remember that word? I-N-G, right? So like this one right here, make disciples, stands above the rest. Jesus is highlighting, here, let me make it really simple. One thing, make disciples. The rest of these things just modify that command. They're just coloring it. It's like, here's how you do it. Here's how you go about it. The rest of these things fall in subordination to this one idea, make disciples. So you might be like, okay, I've heard this phrase before, like, but really, what is it? Like, really, what are we talking about here? So Quick definition, a disciple is a learner. It's a learner, someone who is learning how to do something. A disciple is a follower or an apprentice. And I like that last word a lot. Because if you think about it, if you're learning like a trade, you know, or a skill or something, like you might, if you're formally learning it, you'll go to a classroom and, and learn the safety and learn the parts of whatever machinery you're using or whatever. But then eventually you actually go use it with a master. Someone who knows how to do it and knows the ins and outs and and can show you in real time, this is what it's like. That is called an apprentice. Someone who's learning on the job, learning in real time how to do something. That is what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who is learning, is apprenticing with a master. So back then, 2,000 years ago in ancient Israel, they had teachers or rabbis And these teachers would have students, learners, disciples who would go with them. So they'd sit down and and study and learn in a classroom kind of setting, but they would spend most of their time following their rabbi, going along the way. Like in normal life, they'd they'd travel around and this, this is what a disciple would do. And there was actually a phrase that you kind of like caught on and you wanted to be like this. You wanted to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. See, roads, they were dusty. They were dirty, and you'd, as you'd walk, you'd kick things up, and you wanted to be following your rabbi so close, you're covered in their dust. That is a mark of a true good disciple, someone who is learning from their master. This is what Jesus is calling us to do, to make disciples, to make learners, to help people follow him as their master, as the rabbi, as the teacher, apprenticing under him. This is what a disciple is to do. So this is the call, make disciples. But let's go back and and look at verse 19 and these other three elements. So go, you read that in in your Bible as like kind of that command. It's like, okay, he says go, right? Well, again, it's a participle. It can be translated this way, but maybe a better way to capture the sense is to translate it like this. As you go, or going along the way, 
make disciples. Sometimes I think we hear this and we think like, oh, we got to go, especially when you hear that phrase, all nations, like, I got to go elsewhere. I got to travel around the world to be on mission. But what Jesus is saying here is, as you go through life, your everyday life, walking the roads of Jerusalem, traveling down Jackson Street, like this, this is going. It's as you go along the way in everyday life. This is the call. Take your everyday life, take what you're already doing, and infuse a disciple-making approach. That's what Jesus is saying here. So let's go, going along the way, as you go. But the next one, baptizing. So we're probably familiar with this, especially if you grew up in church. Baptism, like, okay, that's getting wet, you know, whether just a little or getting all the way wet. Like, we think of that. And that's, that is the picture that we want to represent. It's dying to Christ and being raised to him. It's a beautiful picture. Well, what baptism represents is an initiation. It's a joining of the community that aligns to the Lord. That's the picture. By baptism, we're saying like, okay, I'm being cleansed. I'm joining the community and I'm aligning my life to him. That's why Jesus says, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm aligning to him. It's not just like this magic formula of something you say when you get baptized. Like, no, I'm pledging my life to follow after the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's alignment. It's initiating a following of him. That's what baptism's all about. It's saying like, okay, I'm going to order everything to him. That's what this baptism thing's all about. And then finally, teaching. So I'm going to jump now to, to verse 20 so you can see all of it. So teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. We might hear that word teaching and think about like the classroom setting, right? Okay, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to study, and, and that's really good and important. But notice, that's not what he says. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. If you put this in the context of discipleship, it's following. It's like doing everything that he does. Like I'm learning to do life like him. Teaching them to obey. It's this lifelong journey of becoming more and more like him. That's what Jesus is pointing to. It's not just this head dump of knowledge. It's like, okay, I know all the right answers on the test. Like this is living it out, following him in the everyday. So that's, that's what Jesus is pointing to, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I'm curious if we're just pause real quick. How do you feel about all that? Does it feel like, ooh, okay, this is a high bar, like doing all of these things, making disciples, like I thought it was just like invite someone to church, like why can't I do that? Like, does it feel like, ooh, this is, this is a big ask. Can I come through? Like, does it feel like, man, I'm not sure, like I could, I could do all this? I think Jesus knew we probably would think that. Because what does he say next? Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You don't go out away from me and do this on your own. 
You don't leave me behind and try to do it on your own and then bring back whatever your results are. Like, no, 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 no. I am with you always. I'm the one who's doing this. I'm the one who's at work. Remember, I'm the king. I have the authority. I'm, I'm working with you and we're doing this together and I'm not going to leave you behind. See, what Christ is reminding us is we aren't on our own to make any of this happen. He is with us always. That's the good news that we need to hear. Like He is with us to help us to do the task that he's put before us. We aren't doing it on our own. He's with us. So that's the call, to make disciples. But, okay, what does that actually look like? Or how does it play out? Like, what, what are we really looking like when this is all said and done? Well, I want to jump to one other text real quick and look at how one of um, a later follower of Jesus, Paul, says about all of this kind of stuff. So Ephesians chapter 4, we get this comment that he makes about what it looks like for us to pursue this. So in verse 11, he tells us like we, we are given all of these, these leaders. He builds this church through the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastors. And, and he says there's a purpose behind that. So verse 12, pick up reading there. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So he's, it's equipping. Like we're being built up. For what end? Verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, the goal is that we're making disciples, we're equipping people to do that, and and to what end? So that there's unity. The community is bonded together in the Spirit, and we're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're becoming mature. We're well-developed apprentices. We attain the measure, the full measure of Christ, like who he is, what he looks like. We love like he does. That's what this looks like. We're to be mature. We're to be fully developed followers of Jesus. That, that is what we're going after. Again, we're not just checking boxes. We are trying to look more and more like Jesus with his help. So that's what Paul points to. This whole disciple-making thing, this whole purpose thing is about this. It's looking like Jesus. So if I could tie all of this together, here's what the mission is. The mission is to make mature followers of Jesus. That's what we're about. That's why we exist as a church. That's why we walk the Christian faith. We are pursuing disciple-making in ourselves. We want to be better and deeper followers of Jesus, and we want to help other people do the same thing. Now, you might be wondering, it's like, okay, how do we do that? Like, why is it not enough to invite? Which, it's good to invite, don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, but how do we understand what Jesus is calling us to do? That's what we hope this series is going to flesh out for us. We're going to just really scratch the surface overall on on all of this because it's so rich and deep, but hopefully we're going to build a framework that allows us to see like this is what this whole disciple-making thing is all about. But I want to leave you or or kind of linger a question today as this. Are, Are you about this? 
Is, is your faith oriented to this? Like, are you thinking about this? Or, or why do you come to church? Why do you do what you do? Is it for some other thing? Really, I just want this to be a reflective kind of application. I'm not going to give you like a few steps or a few suggestions on what to do yet. That's going to come later. But for now, I just want to linger a question with you. Are you oriented to this? Are you all about this? Or, or is your faith kind of about something else or, or seem to be oriented to a different kind of target? Like, I just ask you to reflect. I just ask you to reflect on what is it that your faith is really about? Because here's where we're, we're shooting for. This is the bullseye. This is the target. Are we shooting for it? I just want to let that question linger as we dive into this series. Now, today we're actually not quite done. Um, because if we're doing a, a series on mission and exploring what this whole disciple-making thing is, we have to take advantage of the fact that we actually have one of our mission partners in town. I'm grateful to say that the Cannonbergs, they're here, Wilson and Lori. Um, and, and I'm going to bring up Wilson, and he's going to come share with us uh, about what this looks like from their perspective as a global mission partner. They're serving in another place, another country. And, and so I just want to, I want to allow him to speak into this and reflect with us on this whole disciple-making thing. So Wilson, thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here. Can you maybe just introduce yourself, tell a little bit about where you are, and then we can dive into some of this disciple-making stuff. I'm Wilson Kennebert, Lori, my wife. There she is. Okay, great, great. She was with the kids. <laughs> 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 I'm actually letting her to explain what we do. She does better than them. Yeah, that's right. I snuck in. I admit, I was working with the kids. It's so awesome being here. Lori Wilson. Um, we're missionaries with Aziz de Socorro, Wings of Help Ministries in Brazil. Um, affiliate members with Mission Aviation Fellowship. For 42 years, um, we've used the airplane and the boat, various areas, to minister to river villages and Indian tribes in the Amazon. And right now, for the last 12 years, we're in Colombia, Brazil, and Peru, right on the border of all those three countries. And it's just been so amazing. This last year was really hard for Wilson. He trained a new younger pilot to fly the plane. It's been getting more and more dangerous, a lot of drug traffic, and it's not really viable for us to fly the plane, Brazilian plane, into Peru. So he sent it over to Belém, Pará. But we continue more than ever with uh, speed boats, with our large mission boat, and um, he's going to tell a little bit more about what he does. Uh, together we do, we plant churches. Um, that's what he coordinates more than myself. I work with the children down there, and I just have such a joy when we go on mission trips to help the teams to do a VBS and to teach them what church is. And I train teachers because they don't know what Sunday school is either. So I gather people in the villages once they have a church to learn you know, once people have trusted in Christ and they have a good testimony, training them to become teachers. We don't have curriculum. Portuguese isn't a language that has a lot of uh, material. They have some in South Brazil. It's pretty expensive, and they don't really have access to that. Hmm. So I make a lot of Bible study lesson plans for children and get visuals and whatnot, prepare kits to be able to give to the villages. Um, sometimes I can give them a kit for three years' worth of Sunday school curriculum to teach their children. 
And it's really awesome. Just recently, a Chikuna church just started, and it was amazing. Every Sunday, see all the kids up here reciting their Bible verses and what they learned. But Wilson's got a little bit more about that. When she says Tikuna, it's we have eight uh, languages right where we live in the Brazilian side. Hmm. And it's different cultures with various uh, tribes. And in Peru, we have 27 languages right where we are in that area. And, uh, you know, we are more triple in the triple country because it's a key area for us to go into Peru. Peru almost doesn't have any church. It's amazing because Peru is grown, you know, with the uh, Incas, Indians, and they have a lot of syncretism <laughs> and uh, just a few Catholic churches, evangelical churches, almost none. And uh, we're starting to do uh, more churches in Peru now because of this. It's not that Brazil doesn't need it or Colombia, but we have more, you know, we still... Uh, help the, the, the Brazilian churches, especially the Ticuna, is the biggest uh, uh, population of Indians. We have more than 100,000 Indians at wow. just Ticuna in wow. Peru, Brazil, and Colombia. And praise God, we have some churches already, we have, but we have only 7% of this Ticuna right now being Christians. And we have many pastors now that we train, and they are continuing to work. And we go back, and we have uh, every three three weeks, uh, three months, we have three days intensive, you know, training <laughs> that we go there and, and train them like hermeneutics. We don't tell them the word <laughs> hermeneutics, but what really the Bible means, because <laughs> everybody uses Bible or some verses, but out of context. And we teach them, look at the Bible, we need to know it all, and from the beginning to the end. And we teach them everything. It's not just a little bit, you know, even how to tithe, how to offer. Because you know, so many people come and say, oh, they are so poor, they are not able to do anything. If you don't teach the whole Bible, then it's better not even to start it. <laughs> and we teach them that it's better to give than to receive. And it's amazing when they come forward and give the offer and they bring a little bit of banana or a dry fish mm. or a little bit of gasoline for the pastor to be able to go up river and down river you know, to be able to visit more, more places. Hmm. And then you teach them that, you know, and then it just goes on. And we try to go back every three months and teach them again. And then they talk to us about the struggles, how they, what they passing. And we teach them again and continue to do it. And also teaching that sin, what it's sin. So many times, so many times they don't know what it's sin is. And it's everything that separates us from God. And, and you teach them you know, little by little, and what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is, and, uh, you know, the Bible, what really the Bible is, that is the main uh, book that we, we wanted them to grab and to learn, and it's just amazing, it's so awesome to see that, because, uh, you know, uh, for just for example, they are so uh, used to, to their culture in a lot of places, and you hear sometimes, you know, Oh, leave them alone because you are giving them sicknesses. They have a good life. They dance. And no, it doesn't exist life without Christ. They are afraid of so many things, a spirit, enemy. Just for one example, you know, one time, you know, I went to a tribe and I didn't know what to do. And I was just observing and then I saw them. They, they were afraid to go out to go hunt at night because of evil spirits. And I invited them. Let's go and hunt. 
And so, no, you don't want to go. And then I went hunt, you know, and I came back and, and they were just looking. I said to them, I have a stronger spirit than anybody has. Mm-hmm. And, I, oh. <laughs> you know? and then we're learning to hear it. You know? But sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's different. But God just tells you, you know, the whole world is supposed to hear. Can you tell one more? Story? Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, you know, I came to one of the tribe. And when I came to that tribe, all the Indians came with the spear in my neck. And I said, and they said, hey, you be quiet. You don't tell us anything. We don't want to hear it. Because they spoke Spanish, and I, I speak Spanish too. And uh, it's okay. You know, I was bringing some relief for them. And I found out that somebody else came before, and they said, look at the, the, no, the pilot, no, the, the bad things come from, from above. Hmm. And, you know, it was a pilot that was coming from up, you know, and then they were with the spear. And then later on, they came and said, look, it, I'm going to give you a little bit of food. That After a few hours, I'm going to give you a little bit of food. But when, you know, uh, it's all done, what you came to do here, bring all this stuff, I want you to go away and you don't come back. And I said, it's okay. But around three weeks later, they called me and they said, Wilson, we would like you to come. And I said, but I'm not supposed to go in there. No, we want you to come because somebody is really sick. Hmm. We want you to come and, and try to help us out. And I landed, you know, came, came a, a lady. She was really sick. And I took off and I said, God, please don't let her die because if not, they're going to accuse me that I'm really <laughs> bad, you know. And praise God, she didn't die. You know, around three weeks later, I brought her back and she was okay. And then he said, okay, you can come back. Mm. And now we have a church far away, around 400 miles from where I live. Wow. You know, it's, it's tremendous how God just worked. And now we have 38 churches, mm-hmm. you know, in these 12 years. And, you know, God is just saying, oh, I, sometimes I get happy I have 38. And God just says, hey, I want you to have 39 you know, mm-hmm. or more. And so many villages without it. And we yeah. don't have missionaries that come into all the places, small village, far away. We don't have as many as we need it. Then what we do? Make disciples. Yeah. But you can't do what you are not. Yes. You, know, you need to be a disciple first. Hear God's voice. Obey him. And he, and Luke says the same, you know, than Mark. Mm-hmm. Only Luke says a little bit different. He says, I don't want you to go. He told the disciples, I don't want you to go until you are filled. It's not enough knowing God. You know, you need to have God in your heart. And then you only can teach what you live. Yeah. But you really are. And then you don't need to perform. You just be there. It's simple. Yeah. Hear his voice and obey. And then it's so good. You know. But I want to also thank, you know, you guys. <laughs> you know, they are with us so many years, bringing teams down there. And we pray and pray that you still continue to yeah. send teams down Amen. there. You guys have with us, you know, and supporting us. A lot of people know, some are new that don't know. But many, many years, a lot of groups came to represent you guys with us too. Yeah, so good. So, uh, I mean, just to capture this, I mean, you heard that 38 churches they planted, 
in the Amazon. Like, it's so cool, the work that God has been doing. And I, and I love what you captured there, Wilson. Like, we, we can't share what we haven't become ourselves. And, and that is disciple-making. Like, we become ourselves a disciple to share with others. And so maybe just reflect for a moment a little bit more on what that's actually been like for you. Because, again, we're not trying to just make converts, get people to build a church or whatever, but, like, you're trying to help people become disciples. So tell us a little bit more of that, like, how you continue to stay focused on that goal. I want to do two things. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> one thing is that God never asks you to do what you don't have. Yeah. Okay? And he says that he's going to give you, like you mentioned, the mm-hmm. power that he was giving to us, mm-hmm. to him, yeah. he's giving to us. Yes. God never gives us gifts that you are not willing to pass. Mm. Never. Don't think that you're going to have a victorious life in Christ if you maintain it for you. Only if you're way able to, to really do willingly, yeah. able to pass, you know? It's like, I don't want to fill you. That's not God's will. He doesn't want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to overflow you hmm. that you pass it on and continue to pass it on. And also, you know, when you live as a disciple... From God hearing his voice, let him surprise you. Mm-hmm. Like this morning when I woke up and oh God, thank you for this Sunday. I'm just <laughs> excited to see what's gonna happen today. Because every day is gonna renew, you know, his presence. And that's and that's the way that you know when you go to them that they don't know what God is really, a lot of people is gonna be shocked when you're gonna talk to them or you wanna try to disciple. Mm. You need to be wise how to do it. Yeah. You know, God, ask God's strategy how to do it, you know, and to show that the peace that is with you, that you are sweet smell for Jesus. Yeah. You are sweet smell for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then you need to love them. One of the things it's I don't see colors. I don't see cultures. That's why we put our uh, mission and name there, Family Without Borders. Mm-hmm. We don't have borders. You know, if you are Peruvian, Brazilian, Colombian, Indian, black, white, lay, uh, gay, lesbian, we, I don't look for that. I look for souls, the beauty for God, for what God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Mm-hmm. You know, that everybody is, is a possibility, you know, yeah. and then just share that. But then just don't put a kid in this world. It's easy to have a baby, but it's really hard to wake up at night and change a diaper. You know, it's just the same. You know, continue to be a disciple for the ones that are with you. Help them to grow until they're able to grow and go by themselves. And I still communicate with them. I don't let them alone. Every day I pray for them. And every so many times I call them or leave a message. Or if I can't do it, I go. And when I promise, I do it. Yeah. I, when I promise, I do. If we promise them that we are going to go to that village every two weeks, we are going to go. Doesn't matter if it rains, doesn't matter hmm. if the speedboat doesn't work too good, <laughs> we still go, you know? And if it's, some people say, Wilson, you're going with all these drug dealers and all these people in, the, in some areas that, you know, the, the, the coca trees are right behind the church, you know? I'd say, look it. God told me, and he tells everybody else, that we are going to go to this world 
only the day that he has sat down, you know. We don't go before, we don't die before, we don't, uh, or after. It's the mm -hmm. right time. If it's the right time, it's okay, God, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's, you know, that's how I try to live. We try to live. And, you know, Lori mm -hmm. left her house with a beautiful home, 1982, mm -hmm. went to mission field, and then she, when she married me, you know, she thought, yes, I'm going to go where mm. God wants us to go. You know? mm. And we went to the Indian tribe, <laughs> dirt floor. Yeah. You know, and mm. we cried a lot. Yes. <laughs> you think it was not was easy? No. You know? But praise God that mm. always he is with us. And I know that he is going to be with you. Be a missionary when you are in a supermarket, when yeah. you are at home, when you are with your friends. When you're alone, be a missionary. A yep. sweet smell for Jesus. Let God surprise you. Every day, he renews. Don't live the blessing from yesterday. <laughs> yesterday was a past already. Today has a new one. The, the ones that were yesterday, <laughs> it just to build you up more. You know? And I'm going to tell you, you know, I would love to break all the mirrors in my house. Not to see that I have more wrinkles. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because I feel like I'm 18. Yeah. You know? yep. And it's, it's a joy to serve the Lord. And I wanted you to say, so here we have people with more ages than the young ones. Hey, God still has a purpose for you. Mm -hmm. He still has a mission field for you. Yeah. Just be there. And the Lord is going to be excited mm -hmm. for the day when he takes you home too. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good to be. So good. So, it's, and I love, I love that you are, you are a part of the big, you know, planting churches, raising up pastors, training leaders, and then the small. Just prayer prompts, like, okay, I'm going to pray for somebody or have a conversation on a bus. Like, those are the kinds of things. All of that is disciple making, especially when we're helping people grow deep with Jesus. So um, what we want to do is we want to pray for Wilson and Lori. Um, but before we do that, uh, I just want to give you a couple quick things. So if you're interested in learning more, they're going to be out in the lobby and they'd love to chat with you. Um, ask them a couple of questions and just learn a little bit more about what they're doing. But if you also want to support them, again, as much as the mission is not just giving money, we do want to provide and, and connect with resources. So the way that you can do that today, if you want to write a check, you can write on that memo line, the Cannonbergs or Faith Promise, and drop it in the black box as you walk out. Or you can get online to our website, and the Give button on every page, you click that, and click Faith Promise, and put the Cannonbergs in the memo line. Whatever you donate to them, we will make sure that they get before they take off to here. So like, we want to support them, we want to be cheering them on, and we want to make sure they have the resources that they need. So please consider giving today or this week. We'd love to continue to support the work that they're doing. But we also want to pray for you. We want to pray that the Lord would continue his work in you. So one thing I'd love for you to do, church family, if you put your hand out just as a symbolic representation of connecting with these two, we want to pray over them and the work that they're doing. God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you consistently come through. And Lord, you have come through for these two. God, we pray that you would continue to provide them the resources, the tools, the materials, the people that they need to continue to carry the mission forward that you've put before them. And Lord, we pray for opportunity. 
God, would you open the door for conversations, for connections with different peoples and tribes, the people that no, no other people in the world are touching or connecting with? Would you help them to have open doors? Lord, continue to raise up pastors and leaders as they plant churches. Lord, we, we don't want it to be 39 churches. We don't want it to be 45. We want it to be a multitude of churches for people to come to know the life-saving hope that you offer. Wherever they are, whether it's in the, the high-rise in New York City or the tribe in the Amazon Basin, God, would these two be a part of the work that you are doing? And so, Lord, we pray that you would fill them up. Would they be filled up with your spirit? Would they be filled up with encouragement by being here with us today? God, honor them for all that they do. And would they be refreshed and lifted up? So thank you, Father, for all the ways that you are working in this world to bring about your kingdom, to bring things to mission. Thank you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. We love you, we trust you, and we appreciate the Canonbergs so very much. Honor them, Lord. It's in your name that we pray, Father. Amen. Can we thank Wilson and Lori for being here today? Thank you, thank you guys very much. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. To pray for you guys. Almighty God, we ask you for your anointing. Father, what we heard today, we want to say to you that we are ready. Use us, Father, for your honor and for your glory. Help us to be solid, to give a taste, of Father, of living for Christ, for the one that doesn't have this taste, to be light. Help us and our families to have victories. Bless our families you represented, that they serve you more and more, that they don't go away from your word. Thank you that we can be a father, your church. Continue to prepare us, a father, until the day that we're going to meet you face to face. Yes. We adore you. We love you. Our life is yours. Use us as your desire for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Wilson.